Hello, hello, and a third hello. Welcome to Don't Forget Your Towel. Today we continue playing Court of Blades, the tabletop RPG of courtly drama, power politics, magic, peril, and romance. Listeners, after getting some feedback from the previous episode, we thought it would be best to explain a few things before jumping into this week's episode. Court of Blades takes place in a world populated by scheming nobles, court magicians, and dashing duelists. Players take on the roles of retainers to a newly risen house of the Isoltari. The Isoltari being the creme de la creme of the noble houses of Illyrian. In the context of the game, we play the characters of Magpie, Nightingale, and Sparrow, members of the Aviary, retainers of the House of Lovell. In terms of mechanics, Court of Blades is a D6 system based on the Forged in the Dark system. When rolling, 6 is a full success, more than 1 6 is a critical success, 4 to 5 are partial successes, and below that are bad outcomes. You can get more dice by pushing yourself and taking 2 stress, by accepting a lady's favour, which is basically a situation where the GM or another player offers you a bonus die for accepting a negative effect that will also surely happen in the future, or by getting assistance from from another player. Before rolling, the GM also chooses the position, which represents how dangerous an action might be, from controlled, risky, to desperate. And the GM also factors in the effect level, such as standard, limited, or great, which represents how much an action can possibly accomplish. Hopefully that gives you more information on how the game works, so that the episode is easy to understand. That being said, do check out the Court of Blades Kickstarter. It's still up and will be up for another 9 days. If you back now, you'll get all the amazing stretch as well. They've been doing really well for themselves, which obviously they would because it's an amazing game. So definitely go check it out. With all of that out of the way, let's get on to the episode. The honor of our blade shall shine before the day is done. For the sake of our name, our houses shall not smell. We shall not have solace till social hour is done there are enemies in our Ilian we must fight in the course of blades speed to strength our wit our craft from Faerun to Arkham to Mars we'll take the quest we left our canny retainers, they were in something of a bind. Their beautiful Spirit's Eve ball on the night of the ascension of the House Lavelle to the Esseltare, this bash that will bring them fully into polite society, the best of society, and the grandest city in the world, Ilrian. There was the sound of blades, steel, being drawn on the front step as House Alnari and House Corvetto met in the street. So, retainers, on this night of all nights, what are we going to do about this? This looks like it's uh, it's very much in my wheelhouse, so the nightingale is going to stop across the courtyard very dramatically and she'll draw her rapier through another scroll of steel and, and she's going to shout over them, are you common dogs fighting in the street? You have an appointment in an hour, you can't maintain yourselves. Is this how men in this city behave? Oof. Do you need a command roll? I think that definitely sounds like a command. If you're trying to get, I mean, as, let me let me paint the scene here. We've got probably 30 armed members of either house. Wow. On either side. So there's, Oof. you do catch sight of Cesare Corvetto. You catch sight of Jem Almari. Uh, leading a contingent, an honor guard, all their best and brightest, their nearest and dearest companions. There are an awful lot of angry individuals out on that street, and here comes the nightingale, sword in hand, right into their midst, and begins abusing them. I think that if you're going to make a uh, command roll here, first of all, you are you are one voice raised in a maelstrom of people shouting jeers and curses. 
I think you were in that desperate situation because this could easily become a bloody brawl. I think I would definitely tag along with the Nightingale as well, if only to help with the intimidation, like casting magic or having my eyes glow or just really something to help her. Uh, Essentially assisting, I suppose. Oh, yeah, if you want to um, amplify her voice so she can be like on a, like, almost oh, yes. like a loud, that'd be amazing. <laughs> yeah, I could do that, that's yeah. That's definitely worth, a, worth an assist if mm-hmm. you want to spend the stress for it. I was going to say, I don't think I would, uh, I don't think I can mechanically assist past the one die, but for part of the setting the scene, I will have Magpie just pull out a, would a Plague Doctor's mask be something that she might be able to pick up? Yeah, I don't see why not. Yeah, absolutely. So she'll just put on this mask and just pull from her belt, just in a tucked away section, a little green vial, and just kind of whisper to Nightingale, just say the word. (laughs) Okay, so what you're doing is a classic setup action. So this is going to assist, but not give an extra die. What we're doing here is we're going to... You're, you're, you're telling me basically you are threatening in this moment general mayhem if uh, everybody doesn't come to heal. Is that, that about right? Uh, pretty much. And just, I mean, these these ladies are a sisterhood. So through all the snide remarks they may have, Magpie still stands with Nightingale. Definitely. Yeah, at the end of the day, like, the, the coterie comes first, right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So as a setup action, you can you can tell me what, what this is. I mean, we could easily make this another command roll because you are you are being quietly in command behind your Bravo. But I could also see, you know, hey, I am clearly dangerous here and you need to you need to take take heed. You're you might be appealing to their to their better angels here in self preservation at least. That could be a sway. What do you think this is? I might have to go with sway, um, although Magpie is wanting to be threatening. She's still with a frail or rather brittle bone type demeanor. She She's made of glass where her Bravo friend is made of iron. <laughs> yeah, we're all aware of that as well. That's fair. Uh, she's, she's certainly the one that if it comes to blows, you want in front of you, right? But I could see a sway here. Um, you're, you're pointing out that it could go real bad for all of these people. All you have to do is put this mask on and smash this vial. What do you think that vial is? Uh, really and truly, I think it's a bluff. Oh, I love that. <laughs> oh, thank you for that. Yeah. Okay. So I think that as a setup action, you are, you're not in a desperate position. You're, you're out of harm's way for the moment. I think it's only risky because somebody might see through the bluff. And I'm going to give you standard effect. Actually, just make the roll with risky. Make it risky standard. I can't hurt you for a failed setup action. I can only choose not to give her increased effect for your setup. Okay, so I click sway and then I choose risky. Correct. And then standard. Oh, it's a crit. Oh, man. That's beautiful. Okay, so when this gets pulled out, I'm going to say that um, one of the, the Bravos on the Corbetto side like instantly draws back and, and says... She's got, she's got a vial of slough. And you know, in this moment, that um, that is a old leftover weapon from the dread Imperial days. This is something they used to hurl into towns to, you know, clear the way for soldiers to come and pacify an entire city. And it's basically like the, the fantasy renaissance version of like mustard gas. And so this Bravo sits back, and I think that gives our, our Bravo, the Nightingale here, desperate greater mm-hmm. so she can make her command roll here with a bonus die from the sparrow a desperate greater command uh so just mechanically speaking uh it's only a crit because and again for those of you that won't be able to see this that's two sixes yeah two sixes rolled on two dice um that's amazing that is a really oh that's special i like that so I have two points in command, and I get an extra die from the assist. Plus, I'm getting better than average results from the setup action. I don't think that I need to push myself or ask for a lady's favor here, but let's see if I regret that. <laughs> just roll sixes. See, I mean, like, I mean, Magpie's rolling sixes. You just have to follow her lead. So easy. Just, just roll sixes. Ooh. Oh. All right. So with that six there, 
Um, what does it look like as you as you step in? Like who who breaks the uh, breaks eye contact first? I think there are two two houses, both alike in dignity, in Fair Ilrin, where Ilay are seen. Which is it, Corvetto or Almari, that backs off first? I think Corvetto backs off first only because um, they just got called out for essentially breaking city law because they were going to um, basically go to war in the streets, which is ridiculous. Um, and they're an older house with more to lose, whereas the Almari are a little bit rougher and they'd probably be more willing to go ahead and break those laws regardless. So I think that Corvetto is like, okay, this is an easy out for us to, to step away from this and, and save face. If I can also build on that, it, it from what we know, or at least what you know about them holding the Grand Gate and their kind of losing control of it, losing grips, they, it seems like they're getting desperate. For sure, yeah. I think that's exactly exactly what's going on here. I think maybe as they were both approaching the gate, like, Jem is baiting them. And in that moment, just in time, we cause this, uh, this, this wedge in between them. And I think that uh, Nightingale fixes Cesare Corvetto with, like, this venomous stare, and his bravo just said, <gasps> A vial of slough, and like he's looking around, and he, you see his rapier like click back into its scabbard. What do we think Cesare looks like? Yeah, he's he's the one who who breaks first. He's the one who decides to slide his rapier back into the into the scabbard and not pursue this idiocy to its final bloody conclusion. Yeah, I think I think first of all, the first thing anyone would notice is his face. Because for the most part, it looks almost emotionless. It's a very stone cold face. The moment you start interacting with them, you start worrying what they're thinking about you or what they're thinking of in general, because there's no emotion that comes out from that face. And and, and, and the voice as well, actually, now that I think about it, he's wearing the usual colors of his house, clothes that are kind of not skin tight, but well fitting enough to allow him to maneuver easily. Uh, your usual clearly tailored, right? And this this red. Yes, exactly. Impeccably tailored. Impeccably, you can yeah. see from his coat as well. Does the house wear any hats of some sort? Or... Oh, I think they absolutely have to. <laughs> yeah, so kind of like a. Oh, I don't. I don't know a lot about Venetian hats actually. Um... Maybe like a classical like flat cap with like a plume. That's what I was thinking. Is that okay for yeah, the great. time yeah. period? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Uh, blue eyes, just sharp blue eyes. That like he does blink, but oftentimes you feel like he's not blinking because they, they his glare is just onto you all the time. It's like um, making eye contact with an alligator. Like you can sense just sort yeah. of ophidian intelligence deep in those those blue eyes. And behind, he's got this really cruelly beaked black leather mask that kind of comes down. Uh, to like mid mid lip, um, because the Corvetto, their their house sigil is a is a crow, a stooping crow. Yeah, so he definitely looks like a crow thanks to the mask, and I think Callisto doesn't really get this as much because she's tall. But for anyone else, he's quite tall as well. So he kind of gives you that I'm looking down on you and I can smother you with my eyes kind of vibe sometimes, and the crow mask really makes this even more intense. Now I'm looking at your character sheet. You have you have open <laughs> mind, right? Yes. That means you're always aware of the supernatural. You're always aware of anything strange. What does the ghost that is looking over his right shoulder look like? Ooh. Oh. Okay. It's it's a ghost of a woman. She's wearing what looks to be this white wedding dress, and she looks forlorn. She looks... Her eyes are dead. There's makeup streaking down her eyes, her veil's torn to the side. Her gown itself is kind of muddy, even though she's floating above the ground. Yeah. How does that make you feel? Uh, terrified, because I do know that she must have been involved with him in some way or form, so this is a man that I will probably keep my eyes on, at the very least, to keep our, like us safe. So how does it make you feel when she makes eye contact with you? Oh, okay. <laughs> I think for a moment I stagger back and I would, my instincts tell me to run, but the only reason I'm not running is because of Callisto and uh, Magpie, just me wanting to be there for my sisters. But I also just immediately want to talk to them about this because I think there is something wrong. Like, I definitely think that there is more about this man than beneath his stone cold face, I suppose. I think Cesare is, is right now looking at, uh, looking at the Nightingale. And he does. He has like this this dark kind of almost serpentine glare that he fixes on you, and he says, 
You're absolutely right. Where are my manners? We should be conducting this affair later. Perhaps you have a place set aside where matters of honor can be discussed with foreign rabble? We've set the stage in the courtyard. She doesn't um, acknowledge any of the, the slanderous comments. She just, th there is a space set aside for me. And she kind of just throws open like an arm. Of course, she still has her rapier out, so it's very dramatic. And she's just kind of like cutting a line between the two of them as though it's final and like waiting for them to break and enter because she's not going to move until they've moved because, you know, she's afraid if she gets out of their way, they'll just clash. Uh, Magpie, oh, I'm sorry, uh, will kind of take away the plague doctor mask and tuck it away just back by her side and just slide the the faux poison back where it goes <laughs> and just uh say oh nightingale he he's just trying to get back at me since i'm the one with the bigger beak here <laughs> you were quite terrifying i really liked course so we're at something of an impasse because at this point like Jem has taken a step forward but Cesare has taken a step forward as well and they're you know both both parties are trying to enter simultaneously but if they get close we might we might come to blows again um I think that there's there's a moment where decorum is kind of in question here as to who precedes whom into the Lavelle compound I think that uh in this moment, like it's still very tense. Like Cesare and Jem are still staring daggers at each other over your outstretched rapier. So, uh, which is the not the Corvetto? Who is the Almari? The House Almari. Almari. Yes. Which one is that one? Was that uh, so Blair Nightingale's fawning noble <laughs> the bow. Uh, house? Mm -hmm. They, if you're asking about their position in the city, the Corvetto technically outranks the Almari. No, I just meant I will. Um... To make this a little bit simpler, I will walk over to the Almari. I will bow as low as possible, hold out my hand, and say, Do you need escort inside? Oh, <laughs> that's exceptional, yeah. Um, I think that Jem Almari, the uh, the scion of the house who was sent to to come and, you know, pay the respects of his, of his grand house, uh, looks you up and down. And I think there's there's like a flash of, of something in his eyes. He's undecided as to whether or not this is a snub because nobody's going to the Corvetto and saying, ah, yes, I will show you how a door works. Uh, and I think that's, he's looking for somebody to give offense at this moment. Uh, I think this is probably a risky situation here. Despite my fears seeing Magpie do that, I probably, I'm probably going to approach Cesare as well and say, Perhaps you should follow me. This is not the place where secrets should be brought to light. Beautiful. Yeah, I think that that, that diffuses tensions fairly nicely as you both sort of branch off and there's uh, Nightingale in the center, Magpie on one side and Sparrow on the other, conducting the parties through honorably as guests, as, uh, as very, very respectable guests. Nice dodge, you lot. <laughs> so I think that we get this kind of crane shot over as we're watching these parties file in. You know, it's not a small doorway. Like, it's a it's a big portico that opens onto the grand, like, courtyard, the stairs that lead up into the, uh, the, the house proper, uh, the gardens behind, and um, we can hear the first strains of the orchestra tuning up. Music is filling the air. Uh, the smells of food and drink and the sounds of merriment are beginning. And then there's a low, keening howl as a wind begins to sweep down from the Necropolitan Hill. The Grace's Ritual, the Ritual of Spirit's Eve, is underway. The dead will be walking soon. Magpie just gets this shiver, and she just tries to push it back in her mind, like, no, it's just the night. <laughs> it doesn't exist. <laughs> you look nervous, dear. Yeah, as as your as your GM, I gotta ask. Like, Magpie puts on a fairly brave face. She's not a superstitious sort, but is there a little part of her that is concerned? Magpie is concerned with nightmares, and it's when nightmares become reality that she's most worried about. Here's a uh, here's an edged question. Feel free not to answer it, but 
Who are you most afraid of seeing walking once more? My mother. She taught me well. Thank you for the dagger. (laughs) I'll add it to the rack. All right. So I think that for a solid 15, 20 minutes, like everything's fine. I think that people are mingling, people are circulating. The prince of the house, the, the lady Lavelle, comes down from her, her apartments and holds court kind of on the uh, the higher tier with her attendants, the house spy mistress, the, um, the captain of guard. Uh, she's receiving visitors. Everything is, is fine. I want to know, like, what part of this, like, paint me a little bit of the scene here. What part of this is the most opulent? What uh, what part of this is the most impressive to you, to your characters in particular? Each of you feel free to tell me something that's that's happening here that is beyond the canon fantastic. I think... I think it, for me, it would be the food. For one, in the jeweled cities, food is not the most important thing. You know, study is. Food is just something you kind of have to do as part of your life, just, just for the purpose of study. But the food here, it's an experience. You see these amazing racks of delicious-looking cakes and meat and things that I have never seen before. Like, I don't even know if it's edible, to be honest, because it looks so magnificent, to be honest. And and, and between each of those huge plates are these uh, sculptures made of ice, within which are things like chocolate or... Uh, wine or things like that just just enough to chill it and still to provide it just coming out of the mouth flowing out like a fountain how they do it probably magic but you know i'm more intrigued about the spectacle um and there's these like so many tables full of food just lining the courtyard i mean as a knack like you have to be looking at that almost as if like from a craftsmanship point of view like how do they like i'm seeing how but I don't know that I could, could, could you maybe do that? I, it, it takes me a few, I'm, I, I'm annoyed at it because while the spell, the spells behind it are fairly simple, rudimentary, it's the creativity that, yeah, I don't think I could have come up with that, but looking at it, I, I, I could, like my immediate reaction is, oh, that's simple, but oh my gosh, it's not, it's not simple. It's how, like I can do that, but how did they come up with it? It's elegant. In its simplicity. Yes. In its execution, it's flawless. Yeah. That's how you know your house is important. (laughs) (laughs) I'm definitely intrigued. What about you, Magpie? Well, for me, I believe it's taking a look at all of the people. It's not their faces. It's what they're wearing. Now, people tend to think I have a bird brain. Magpie, it's cute, but I do see shiny things. And they do end up in my nest. <laughs> Who's wearing the uh, the thing that keeps attracting your attention, Magpie? Is it uh, one of the society ladies? Is it somebody's, you know, jeweled belt dagger? Like, who who has the, the bauble that keeps drawing your eye across the courtyard? I haven't seen their face yet, but they're shorter in stature, and they have long hair, and I just catch glimpses of a mask, and them. It's ever so vexing that they're choosing to hold up their mask and bear this burden almost like a cross instead of wear it with a band or hooked behind their ears. They've got more secrets and I need to know them. But it's their dagger. When their coattails come up, when they bow, I can see it. That's lovely. Thank you for that. What about you, Mango? I think my eye is drawn to the mercenary parties around the around the room. The, the Lavelles ex- spared no expense in making sure that there were no there was no shortage of, of good help in case something did break out. Um, the houses being at each other's throat as they are, wouldn't it wouldn't be um, any good for them to, to fight and ruin the party? That would defeat the purpose of the whole coming out party. Uh, so. <laughs> They're, they're, they've blended in fairly well, um, but I can spot them. And I'm just fascinated watching them uh, kind of meld and, and flit around. And I think at this point I am um, trying to count how many um, are, are in the room. Well, you know one for certain. Uh, that's Antonius Renewal up at the high table, the captain of Renewal's rovers. Mm-hmm. 
they're freshly back from Iberica, a successful campaign, you know that as yet the Lavelle don't have the coin to retain Renewal's rovers. What are they doing here? I'll have to go ask at my first convenience. So that's how that's how the the time is passing as uh, as the beginnings of the party are underway. I think that it's uh, only about half an hour in, and maybe Sparrow is uh, is interrogating the canapes <laughs> when somebody somebody kind of bumps into you. Like it's um, it's a momentary contact. Tell me, have you ever heard somebody speaking in your mind before? Oh. I'm going to say yes, it is not a common uh, spell. I think it is very rare, but I have come across it a few times and very few times. Have you heard someone's thoughts when they didn't know that you could hear them? No. Okay, then they must have mistaken you for somebody because you hear very clearly in, in your mind the poison in the goblet at 12.05. I immediately stop what I'm doing and look in the direction well, actually, I first, first of all, I would like to f- look around to see if I can see the person who bumped into me. Yeah, they're they're sitting, you know, well, not sitting, they're standing at the uh, at the the buffet for just a moment, but they turn and kind of brush against you, and they're moving out onto the dance floor. Uh, you see coattails. It looks as though one of their hands is occupied. Do I do I have any semblance of where this voice? Like, is it is it? Am I sure that that's the person that this voice came from? Or I think you could find out, but you risk something in in doing so. I think this is a going to be a risky position. Um, I want to know what you think the action rating that we're going to do here is. Ooh, okay. Would it be study or survey? One of the two, I think, considering I'm trying to figure out. What's going on? So I think study is a is a slow, careful process whereby you could track this person down. I think it's going to give you limited effect, which means that you're probably going to have to do this for a bit, and we risk further complications. Um, it might be that you're just not quick enough. Survey is like a real snap, look around, and then oh, that person right there. I'll give you I'll give you standard effect with survey because it's this is a quick process. But if we have to basically play process of elimination, it's not that person because their hand. Isn't isn't moving quite the same way. Oh, that person's coattails are right, but the boots are all wrong. Like in this moment, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it is a position risky. Yeah, risky position with standard effect. Cool. And I'm rolling a zero, so fingers crossed. We can roll a zero, or you can buy some dice. Um, I don't want to push and increase my stress. So, are my sisters around me? That's a good question. Always around. <laughs> Always within earshot. So perhaps what I do then, actually that's probably the better option, the safer option. So I immediately beckon them towards me and say, um, so, 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 I, I think there's a poison in the goblets? Twelve or five, I heard, in that direction. I was going to say, is that the time or well, the direction? I see, I see. Um, yes? Where? How, just the look of poison? Who told you this? Well, no one told me exactly. It was more that I heard them. In my mind. Okay, I expected you to be a bit more surprised than that. Oh, the party isn't your scene, is it, Sparrow? Magpie, that's that's clearly not what's happening here. You had too oh, no. much of the wine. No, I didn't is, drink at all. This is a portent. We, we must heed this. Thank you. See, Nightingale believes me. But no, seriously, someone could die. Most likely not us, but I don't think that's really the matter, I suppose. Well, I certainly won't be drinking at 12.05. I may have possibly misunderstood the communication. Well, who is it? I think it's him. Is he still there, or has he disappeared? So we're having we're having this conversation real quick. It's sort of a, a back and forth, and like you're trying to keep keep eyes on who, like you're. At this point, it's three. Uh, one of these three people who are moving across the dance floor in uh, a complicated like quadrille. Like you, you think it might have been him or maybe him or her. It's one of them. I think that's why at this moment, like, it's looking risky. I have an assist. Do you have an assist? I have an assist. All right, as soon as you say it's, it's either him or her, um, I'm going to cross the dance floor as they are and just kind of get between them and put my hands up and catch both of their hands and try and catch them in one of those like triolet type dances um, to try and maneuver them back toward our sparrow. Okay, this sounds like Ooh. a setup action. It, 
Oh, you're right, it probably is a setup action, and I'm going to use my ability upon a needle where I gain effect when grace is an issue, so I need to sweep them up in such a way that they can't possibly refuse me. So if this works really well, you might gain two levels of effect here. We might get extreme effect where it's like, that guy, absolutely. If it goes poorly, you'll still probably get a setup uh, that'll improve your effect. And if it goes terribly, then we're no worse off, right? Also, did I actually misunderstand the 12 or 5 thing? I can't remember if I did. We'll see, huh? I'm going to make this a maneuver roll, and I'm going to use my ability. And on account of this is pretty important that we don't bosh this, I am going to push myself. But maybe I can prepare a lady's favor first before I spend stress? Yeah, I'll give you a lady's favor here. Mm. Um, I think the lady's favor here is that uh, somebody's going to be trying to gate crash. Oh. No, I'll take, the, I'll take the stress right now because I have this feeling we have enough on our plate. Mm, yeah. <laughs> what is my position right now? Uh, you're in a risky position okay. right now. I think you have standard effect. Great with your opponent needle and one bonus die for pushing yourself. Um, okay, so a five here. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that as this is this is going on, uh, they're not being shepherded quite like you you want them to. The dance is complicated. It's tricky. It's one of the um, the currently in fashion Maorish dances uh, in honor of House Almarie. But you must stomp more. Just stomp. You're missing the stomping. It's Moorish. Um, but uh, as it's as as you're proceeding, you are clearly like bearing faces uh, in the direction of Sparrow. So Sparrow, you're going to have. Uh, great effect here, rather than standard effect. So, if you'd like to make that risky, great survey for me. So, do I get a bonus or not? I don't. So, I think Magpie is giving you a bonus, and uh, she was giving you a setup. Is that correct, Magpie? I was about to say, if it's based on description, uh, I'm assuming Sparrow told me the same things that you told Sparrow. That sounds like somebody that I've been trying to keep an eye on all night. Ooh. So I'm going to take that as an assist. <laughs> Should and Magpie, please mark one point of stress. Okay, four. Not great. It's not bad. Um, so what this means is that uh, as this person is uh, is turning, like you you very clearly get the get the look of them, but as soon as you point it out, like Magpie immediately sees that this is the person that was was holding the mask, has the jacket, but the dagger is missing. Oh. I'm sorry, nobody can see my face right now for who's listening to this, but I just perked up and eyes widened like, where is it? <laughs> um, Magpie, is, is everything okay? Uh, you tell me, is that our mysterious stranger? Um, yes, yes, I think so. We need to restrain him or ask him because, well, I don't actually know if he's the poisoner or the poisonee. Well, there's only one way to find out, though, isn't there? Well, really, there's a few, but I, I think I understand what you mean. I would like to walk up to this individual and ask if they would like to dance with a real lady. Okay, I definitely did not understand what you meant. Ooh, yeah, I, I don't think there's a role for that. This uh, this person, you know, immediately like flashes a smile made of starlight, and um, you can see underneath the uh, underneath like kind of the, the the dragon scale marked mask. This this is a person from the house of Yolanda. Like, this is from the second house in the city. Um, or at least somebody distantly related enough to, to wear a mask. They, uh, they hold out a hand and they say, kind of in like a, like a dulcet baritone, it would give me absolute great pleasure to take you for a turn around the dance floor. Please, come with me. Do you know the tune? I'm sure you can teach me. However, I must know your name if we are to dance. You don't know me. I'm Arcturus, Yolanda. Pleasure to meet you. All mine. All mine. Come. It's, uh, the firelight stride. We'll take it for a merry twist, shall we? Lead the way. Do you dance, Magpie? No. Magpie doesn't <laughs> dance. Okay. Uh, this will be fun. This will be wonderful. Uh, Magpie, I would like to sit, I would like to think she's agile. I don't like to think that she would dance. I think just in case, um, I'm going to have to clap my hands and make sure that everybody's paying attention to them as they take to the floor, because this is going to be a very special <laughs> you would. Space is made on the dance floor. Space is made for the, on the real dance lady. Floor. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> so that being the case, like Arturus Alanda, uh, somebody that you've you've heard a little bit of, of rumor and whisper about. Like it's nothing nothing terrible. Like the House Alanda is the fist around the heart of trade. They are a equal parts bank, merchant empire, and um, noble retinue. Right. Arturus is a third cousin of the sitting prince and. 
there's there's a there's a circle that is kind of widening around you as the firelight stride begins. Um, I think that right now you are in a fairly desperate situation for social harm. So that being the case, because you do not dance, what do you think this is? I would like to think this is going to be a maneuver. I would also like to know Lady's Favor. The Lady's Favor here is, um, in the course of this, you're going to catch sight of the dagger, and it's going to be making its way to the head table. I thought the Lady's Favor were bad things. It is, because you're going to be embroiled in a dance with Arturus Alanda and have to see it through to its conclusion. Oh. Well, uh, so could I technically take stress, like, by pushing myself and the lady's favor? So you can take a lady's favor and push yourself. You cannot take a lady's favor and get an assist. So, you know what? I have been challenged by the Nightingale. So I will show her what for. I'm going to accept the lady's favor. I will push myself. And I also have a good name myself and introduce myself as Margaret Ashton. Only my dearest friends call me Magpie. Oh, chef's kiss. Beautiful. I'm going to start a clock. I'm going to start a clock for the, uh, for the poison. Be kind to me, Game Master. I need to choose Maneuver. That's correct. Maneuver, it's going to be a desperate position. I think that you are going to have limited effect to start, but with your good name here, you can push that up to standard. Okay, and I put two points of stress since I am buying another die. You have two extra die. You have a Lady's Favor and your push. So just wanted to make sure it's my standard one for the pip, and then Lady's Favor... Uh, a good name and the push. So the push gives you both a die and an effect level. Gotcha. So you've got two dice and one extra effect. Oh, oh it's good though. <laughs> Somehow you uh, you reach reach hidden depths within yourself. And Arturus is a is a very competent and confident lead in this particular dance. But the way in which you conduct yourself, like you you follow his lead in a way that he probably wasn't even. Anticipating, uh, I cannot give you social harm here, and I was so excited to shame you. Um, <laughs> but instead, instead, the magpie acquits herself very admirably. I do want one thing, and that's, of course, if everyone's watching, that must mean my good friend Nightingale is. And so I will give her just the most courteous wink. Outstanding. If she can read lips during the turns of the dance, I will just mouth... This is how you get a man. Oh. And you would know best. But I, I, being a good sport, I'll pull one of the roses from the buffet table and just kind of toss it at her as she dances. Yeah, there's 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 a chorus of brava, brava as, uh, as it's going on and as the bravo. Isn't that, uh, doesn't that sting a little bit? Oh, I think that there's always a good-natured rivalry, so she was already miffed that her um, her plan didn't come to fruition, so this is just a continuation of that. But again, good, it's, it's all in good fun, so she she kind of, um, you know, she throws a rose, and then she she realizes that she's she's lost, she acquiesces, and she turns back to the matter at hand. <laughs> That's good. It's it's good that the uh, the aviary of the Lavelle, they, there are no, there's no pecking here. <laughs> yeah, I think while my sisters are at each other's throats, figuratively speaking, I'm doing the more important thing by looking for the poison. Right, yeah, that, that, that poison. Um, <laughs> Something right now, that everyone else seems to have forgotten. <laughs> yeah, before we pull our feathers out. Right now there's dancing and boys. Yeah, <laughs> neither one of which interests me, so I, fortunately, I should say, I would, I would definitely like to be going around pretty much every table trying to figure out if any... Did, it, did he say punch or wine or...? The goblet, yeah. Uh, somebody's goblet in particular is being poisoned. Oh, okay, that makes things harder. Um, yeah, never mind, I would like to. <laughs> How would I go about doing this, I wonder? Can't help you dancing. <laughs> this is incredibly impolite in the grand scheme of things, but yeah, I would be more concerned about finding poison, so I'm literally going up to anyone who has a goblet. And I, I should say that I imagine that there's different types um, of cups and cutlery and that sort of thing. So not everybody has a goblet. Would, would that be fair? That is absolutely a fair and accurate statement. Yeah, the quality here, the people who are of, of, a, of a high status are afforded some of the house's goblets. So you've got 
probably 15 or 20, you know, suspects here that might uh, might have the the poisoned goblet. It's not a not as small a number as you're hoping, I'm sure. But most people here are drinking out of you know the not the lead glass cups, but like uh, crystal crystal uh, cups rather than like the gold chalices, right? You know what? That actually gives me an idea. Um, I'm going up to each of the chalices, the goblets, and I'm gonna use magic. Actually. Perhaps I can channel a spirit. I thought you were going to say you were using the old-fashioned method. <laughs> Drink it. I would not recommend. <laughs> Am I dying? Nope. Cool. <laughs> Better luck next time. Yep. So I think I'll channel a presence or a, or a ghost that would have been around this area um, in hopes that they would have seen Arturo's odd behavior. Now, you've, you've got a familiar spirit. Um, that's one of your items as a knack. Is that who you're asking? Yeah, yeah. I think that would be the most likely choice for me, the, the most obvious choice. I would definitely have asked him to keep an eye out, especially with the whole Sevenfold Veil thing, so yeah. What does your familiar spirit look like? Is it the guy in the painting? <laughs> <laughs> Piero! <laughs> we'll never escape Piero. You know, I kind of want to make him Piero. <laughs> That's awesome. I think I used to have a different familiar, but once I was taken into the Lavelle household, I wanted a familiar who was aware and had experience within the nobility and this area in general. So who better than the ghost who I know cannot leave? Which in and of itself is, is terrifying, right? Um, but yes, Piero, Piero is, uh, is always there. All you have to do is, you know, you speak his name and uh, Piero, like, materializes from... Like there's a little bit of like uh, what do you call it the dry ice in one of these one of these bowls here, and it's putting off like a fog, and Piero materializes only for you, in this uh, in in the mist here. Like you can see, he's kind of hawk nose and like dark eyes and everything, and he always starts things the same way. He's always avenge my cruel and unnatural murder. Yes, yes, Piero. I already told you we're looking into that. Maybe next year, or the year after that. First of all, have you been looking out as I requested from you, keeping your eyes or eye open? Alas, my eyes are always open. That's delightful to hear, Piero. I knew I could count on you. We're looking for somebody. We think the poisoner, and she points at Arturo, like dancing at the moment with uh, Magpie. We think he poisoned someone. Ah, poison. A coward's weapon, a kill made at length. Like my brother, avenge me! Weren't you killed by poison as well? That is rather what I meant. Yes. I see. That's okay. Well, I suppose that it isn't. Sorry. But we kind of need your help. Now. Yes. I can smell the poison now. Oh, it you is, can? That's delightful. It is... My goodness and dear lady preserve us. It's everywhere. You know, I would... I'm surprised, but I also am not surprised. I would like that to not be the case. So I think Piero is uh, is able to help you sniff out poison here, but um, I'm going to go ahead and say that it's going to take you a little bit of time. You're going to start here with limited effect, uh, and I think that time is increasingly of the essence. It's risky right now, but if I tick this clock one more time, like we're getting to the point where it's been served to people who are important. So. What would you like to do here? Oh, I'm going to shout. Oh, no, I can't. That would, that would be so bad on the level household. I mean, you can. <laughs> I mean, is it is it worse if people die? Like, that's bad hospitality, right? Yeah. Quick world-building question. Do we think that murder and assassination at, like, these kind of housewarming parties is... Pretty normal. Pretty common? <laughs> I would think so. That's kind of what Sparrow was, like kind of implying when she was like, I'm surprised, but also not surprised. <laughs> um, is that okay with the two of you? Yeah, no, I, I like it. Or, or at the very least, um, we just make the assumption that it must be fairly normal amongst the Esoltare because they're always so scandalous. Like, our house is new to the Esoltare, but we know how their parties tend to go before we got here. So I think that that reputation definitely proceeded. You know the rules, and so do I. In that case, I think Sparrow... Knowing that time is running out, that we we don't have much time, and I know that Miss Pharisee's magpie dancing and Nightingale. What is Nightingale doing out of curiosity? Fuming. <laughs> um, Nightingale was positioning herself to give you an assist, but I'm waiting to see what you decide to do so that I can assist. 
Okay, I think I think Sparrow is going to climb up onto a table and shout out, "Everyone, your goblet's been poisoned!" <gasps> oh, oh, everyone, we have a poisoning afoot. It's a game. Come, we must. And she's going to make a big show of it. We have just the thing for this. We have like we have a, a bunch of birds, and I um, like. We have to have them come in and taste everybody's glass to see which one drops dead. This sounds like a flashback. Are you flashing back We're to flashing having, back. having prepared poison sniffing birds? That's a thing we can do. We can spend stress to uh, to say how we prepared for this eventuality. Tell me where you found the, poise, the poison sniffing birds. That was a brilliant save. I love save. this so much. Um, so I think that before this happened, just to cover all of our bases, I made sure that um, the aviary was stocked with magpies for this very event. Oh, oh you would. That's dirty. <laughs> That's dirty. I love it. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think that uh, that I want to get you to make an acquire asset okay. for me, a fortune roll, um, mm-hmm. using the house's tier. So go ahead and roll two dice as a fortune roll. We'll see how the quality of our poison see how much stress sampling birds. Oh, not bad. Okay, it's not bad. <laughs> go ahead and uh, mark two stress. Mm-hmm. You've got more than enough to taste every goblet, um, and that's something that can be going on. But I'm going to lay out wrinkle here. Uh-oh. So we've managed to, for the moment, stave off anybody being poisoned. I think that uh, with that with that save there, we don't we don't need an action roll from uh, from Sparrow to get everybody to put their goblets down and play this marvelous game that uh, that the Labelle have very very nicely uh, put together for us. Yeah, I totally think when Nightingale said that, Sparrow's immediate reaction was like, what? No? Oh. <laughs> I love that thought of, like, Sparrow. Sparrow's a fairly fairly short gal, isn't she? Yes. So, you know, hopping up on a table and, like, arms wide and trying to be the center of attention here. Your, your glasses have been poisoned. And there's, like, a moment where everybody's like, okay, but what's the punchline? And then, you know, beside you, kind of, like, poking out, almost like Scooby-Doo totem pole style, uh, we have the nightingale. It's a game! We put it together for you! Aren't we having fun? <laughs> so that that moment there is is delightful as everybody like somebody laughs. Who do we think laughs first? Is it one of one of the mercenaries that's poorly hidden in the Yeah, uh, one of the condottiers oh, in the back. The it's just he thinks it's hilarious. <laughs> like there's the nobles are so cheeky and then like uh, I'm I'm leaning over and I'm like, I didn't know what else to say. <laughs> <laughs> no, so no, no, one, that's okay. One of these these hard-bitten condottieres, one of these uh, these mercenaries who's, like, blending in with society. Like, you can see still, like, chain mail underneath, like, one of the uh, delicately cut sleeves of his, of his gambas on. Everybody else is shocked for a moment. Like, he's like, <laughs> Poison. You get it? Because they die. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a good one. <laughs> Poison. <laughs> And then, like Arcturus is, like he looks, he looks down at at, uh, at Magpie. He's like, Lavelle, they, they they do love their games, don't they? Only if you know the rules. There are rules now. Must have changed. Well, the easiest thing to say is, play along, love. And he he gives you a quick spin and a dip, and that's about the time that everything kind of goes awry. There are. Um, these magpies that have kind of settled out among the the passersby and the, the guests with their with their fine goblets, and the mist that's coming off of these punch bowls is thickening. It's almost as if there's a, a jellied sensation in the air. The humidity, the moisture of this uh, early autumn night, clings to your skin, and it's chill. It hasn't been chill all night. Piero has has turned to you, Sparrow. And his one, one good eye has shot wide, and he, you like he, he's moving his mouth in such a way that you know that he's trying to say something, but the, the sound it's not getting to you. It's almost as if you're underwater for a moment, and he's fading slightly, like he's becoming slightly discorporate, almost as if he's being drawn away, and then he comes sharply into focus real quick in your face. He says, they're here. And sure enough, rising from the flagstones, now even the blunts can see it. There's a shocked and kind of panicked gasp and intake of breath from the assemblage as rising, these 
hands, these pale, pallid, ghostly hands rise from the stones. Oh, no. Magpie, one wraps around your foot. Mm-mm, don't like that. First leans in to kiss. <laughs> <laughs> the dead are among us. Magpie fights everything within her body not to scream and ends up biting her lip a little bit. Just So our episode there ends with just a little rivulet of blood trickling down Magpie's lip, falling off of her chin, and onto an upstretched, ghastly pallid hand. If you like what you hear, please connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at DFIT underscore podcast, on Facebook at Don't Forget Your Towel Podcast, and through email at dfitpodcast at gmail.com. If you have a few dollars to spare and you've been liking what you hear, please consider donating to us on Patreon. But if you don't have a few dollars to spare, that's all good too. Just keep listening and like or review us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Every single rating goes a long way to helping us increase our reach and to share the RPG love. Till next time, and keep your towels at the ready.